0: One can!
1: Welcome to a very, very special episode of NXT The Rise and Fall. This week, we are taking a slight detour from our normal, I suppose, look back format where we review the NXT black and gold uh, era, show by show by show, to just basically pick the brains of the other half of the hosting duo for this podcast. Uh, obviously, my name is Cy, as you are all fully aware by now. And joining me, as always, is the guy waiting to have his brains picked. The king himself, Joshua Goodwin. How are you doing, sir?
0: Mate, my skull is open. It's waiting. I see you've <laughs> got. The, I see you've got the tools there ready. Yes,
1: let's get, indeed.
0: Let's get it done.
1: I figured, um,
0: you know, they made us wait with Jinder and uh, Seth for another week, so we're going to make you wait, listeners, for another week while they, uh, you listen to my opinion.
1: Oh, brilliant! See, I didn't even—I didn't even enter my mind about the whole gender, seth waiting thing. Uh, I've been complaining on the show about how long they're making us wait. The fact that we're making our listeners wait another week is probably quite mean. But on yeah. the other side of the coin, uh, the insight you give to matches and so on when we're reviewing these things is getting so much great positive feedback. The listeners all seem to really enjoy that. When you put forward this idea of doing something along these lines at some point, you know, I jumped at the opportunity because. I, I straight away knew looking at the feedback we get and the people, you know, messaging the show and so on saying, oh, how much they enjoy the, the, looking at the matches from a different viewpoint that you bring. Whereas many other podcasters wouldn't have that kind of slant on things. I thought, yeah, this is going to be great because I, I imagine there's so many people out there who do have questions, you know, whether it's on a personal wrestling level or, or a bigger picture situation. And we weren't disappointed, Joshua, were we? We certainly
0: weren't. I did uh, peruse the questions just, uh, because I didn't want to just have some answers off the cuff. I wanted to give a few of these, you know, a bit more thought. And frankly, it's all your fault, side because it was the last Chain Wrestling. You guys did a Ask Us Anything, and I was like, <laughs> I, I want in on this action.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't get any daft questions, like asking if uh, you rather our bollocks for toes or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So
0: you, well, yours, not yours are, not yet. Not yet.
1: Not yet. They're, they're <laughs> still quite respectful. To you don't give a shit about us. Um, <laughs> 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 we will begin then with the uh, uh the the more informed and intelligent half of the Nitro Knights podcast Scottish Danny the Canning's time stabber himself at Scottish juggalo on Twitter he asks the king if you could insert yourself into any WrestleMania one-on-one main event to make it a triple threat which match would you choose and I'm going to add to that and mm-hmm. why okay so and why was actually
0: a big uh big part of my question because when i first saw it the first thing i did was went because (laughs) as someone who's been in triple threats i can tell you they fucking suck
1: yeah you don't enjoy them. they
0: they are a logistical nightmare they are like it's well there's the the extra moving parts of a tag team match Mm -hmm. but with it being an odd number it's even worse like it's multiplied and it's not as if some guy can just stand on the apron and it makes sense uh so there's a lot of times where you have to like kill someone off and then they have to be dead for a stupid amount of time and it's just kind of ah, uh, it's just not fun it's not fun okay. things that can go wrong uh i mean how many triple threats have you seen cyan si? it's like this is a bit naff
1: um loads loads and loads and loads and that that whole thing about people almost taking it in turns it's a very wwe thing i think that somebody as you said has to be kind of killed off for a few moments for the other two to work and then there's a save made and, and so on. It almost mm-hmm. feels like you want four guys there rather than three. So that everyone's got something to do. But then as a fan watching it can be difficult to follow because there's two almost two sets of action, I guess. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that does make sense. And as you said, it's um I it does help that everyone has something to do. Like if you're in a live audience and you've got like chaos following around, like that can be quite fun. But for a TV audience, that one can be tricky. That being said, it is a very good question. I do have an answer for it and I gave it some thought. So okay. what I thought was, it's not so much like what my dream would be. It would be like, how could I best add to a match? Now, first of all, to just drop me in out of a helicopter, like with no build, that would, like you've got... I don't know. Say, uh, you know, the mega powers explode, and then oh, and by the way, you've got Joshua Goodwin, where everyone's like, "Ooh!" So let's assume (laughs) that I let's assume that I've been figured into the build, and that I'm just as much a part of like the going forward. Now, a match that I feel would have done with a bump in heel such as myself would be WrestleMania six.
1: Ah, okay.
0: If you you, because you've got two very similar like alpha male types you know you're very much the top guys you've got warrior and hogan like hogan really doesn't like you know want to give up the torch he doesn't necessarily think warrior is the right guy i mean to be fair i think the story was played very well the ending was very much geared towards hogan like still having some of the spotlight and i get Mm -hmm. that because you know doesn't work for me brother um so to have someone to do the bumping around for them i think would add a lot you have mister <laughs> You know Mr. King Goodwin, the annoying prick, gotten all the heat, and you know he's weaseled his way into this triple threat to then get his head kicked in by Hogan to then get his head kicked in by Warrior. They can almost do the whole one upsmanship of just bouncing me around like a ping pong ball at some point. I get like something of an advantage, and I can try and weasel my way into a win, but eventually what it leads to is obviously I'm the guy who takes the fall, I take the big splash from Warrior. Hogan saves face, but can still pass the torch. And so mm. I think in terms of like, as a matter of storytelling, it's probably the best option I've got, to be honest. Like there's not many matches other than that, where I think adding someone else to the mix would have really helped.
1: But yeah, I think I in
0: this instance, like having someone to do, basically do the bumping for Hogan and warrior.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I also think as well, Back to the War Rumble that year when mm-hmm. you had the Warrior and Hogan stood across the ring from each other and they turn and they lock eyes and the crowd were electric seeing these two guys. And this is obviously pre-mania, of course. Mm-hmm. You could almost have that moment again, but on a bigger scale because it's WrestleMania. If half the match was spent kicking your ass, for example, <laughs> taking oh, in turns, can. bumping you all over the place, and then they get that moment eventually where it is just the two of them. I think yeah. that, that would be electric on that big arena.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got a moment where I can wheeze my way back in and take an opportunity, dump someone out, you know, kill them off for a bit, for Mm. want of a better word. And then you're back to where you started. But again, it's it's just it's a match that I feel that my character would add the most to yes to have it's it was something that was missing like it imagine if you will and i'm not saying that i'm rick flair but imagine there was like a rick flair character in that mix and how mm-hmm. much more interesting and dynamic that match would have been it would have been better than a fucking test of strength and a three-day long bear hug
1: yeah this is true this is true everyone already is aware of my thoughts on the bear hug uh other side of the coin then i suppose triple threat matches we both just explained why there's a few issues with them and why, you know, obviously you're not a fan of working them. I'm not a fan of particularly watching them. Are there any that stand out to you as being bloody fantastic that you've been in or you've seen or that you've watched on television? I mean, the first one that pops to my head is WrestleMania 20. And mm-hmm. then the follow-up at backlash where they did it again with triple H, Ben and Michael's. I thought those were done very well, but the fact that I'm scratching my head after that, I think kind of backs up your point.
0: So to answer your first question as to whether or not I've been in any that were that I've considered any good, not really. But then I think at the level where I've been, like most triple threats are just, oh, we've got an odd number of people on the card. We'll just chuck them in. And there's okay. not really much thought that's gone into it. Okay. Um, in terms of ones that I've seen, I mean, WrestleMania 30 was pretty damn good when they uh, ran. Yes. They, had, they had Orton and Teaster and uh, Daniel Bryan. I mean, there's the story going into that, like stacking the odds against Daniel Bryan uh was very well done although i i imagine it didn't seem to be plan a thanks thanks cm punk for that one i think Mm. um i also think it gets forgotten because obviously like the wind was very much taken out of that crowd because of taker and lesnar uh but yeah that match was bloody brilliant i thought
1: Mm. yeah it was it was very good and again it comes back to the story sometimes making these well quite often making these things a lot better than just the in-ring action i guess Uh yeah absolutely context is key exactly we have a question here via WhatsApp from Podfather Mags, the other half of the chain wrestling hosting duo, uh, and I think this is a great set of questions here. He asks first of all, "What's the single best piece of advice you've received in your wrestling career?"
0: Okay, so the apps I, I actually had to think about this like quite a lot. Hi, Mags, by the way. <laughs> um do you think he's listening? He might be listening. He ain't
1: listening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I think the best piece of advice I ever received, and it was in the middle of a match, uh, it's chill the fuck out. Okay. Calm down. Because like you can especially when your your brain's going mad, like you're thinking about what to do and then what to do after that and what to do after that and, like, what to do if this happened. And a lot of that comes from just calming down and listening mm. because the answers come to you. You don't have to go to them, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, again, it, it comes back to the whole what would you do if it were real? And often what to do if it were real is absolutely apparent when you're paying attention as opposed to being wrapped up in your own head. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah. No, I get you. you. And you do hear so many people, I I suppose, stories like these shoot interviews and all that sort of stuff. So many people who have been involved in the business saying these kids need to slow down. Yeah. it's, It's so apparent. And it's generational as well. You know, Steamboat and Flair were getting told to slow down in 89. And then you look at what we've got now, the likes of Omega, Okada, and so on, getting told to slow down now by the likes of Steamboat and Flair. It's all it is to keep constantly recycles itself, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the, the business does sort of keep moving in increments. Like it, it keeps going, and then you'll you'll have it dial itself back a little bit and then mm. go that little bit further and then dial itself back a little bit. Again, like you said, people used to shit on Ric Flair for running the ropes before the start of the match. Mm. Yeah. You know? And so there, there are elements of that, unfortunately there, there's elements, you know, there's elements of truth in it as well. Cause as you said, that there, there is, you know, truth to the fact that some people do need to slow down, yes. you need to calm down as well. As I said, you need to like, I, it's a very high pressure situation. You've got a lot of people on you, but it's the same as any kind of performance. Like if you are like at such a bundle of nerves to the point where you can't like even process information, that's when things start going wrong. That's like when you start trying to do everything at the same time, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's when you start making mistakes essentially. And <laughs> as someone who has made a mistake, your first instinct is to like scramble to try and get out of the mistake, which inevitably makes it worse. Like if you can mm-hmm. actually calm down, remain uh, but, at a le- steady level.
1: I mean, would that, I mean, I, I'm assuming then when you say that, you, you know, you, you, you were told mid-match to calm down so and we hear it, everyone in the business has been told that at some point. I, I, I think anyway, there must've been where well, I'm assuming that would have come very early on in your career. Then, by the way, you're talking, if I've picked up wrongly on that, I apologize. But do you think that's more of an experience thing? The more you do this, the more you learn, well, like with anything, the more you do it, the more you learn, the more you pick up that perhaps everyone just needs to take a breath. Maybe to a degree.
0: I think the adage is practice makes perfect. the, Actual adage is practice makes permanent. So if you're doing something wrong for long enough, you'll mm. just ingrain the habit in in yourself. Um, and no, I wouldn't say it was especially early in my career, like, you know, you 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 do get in your own head, you do like, you know, you do have to remind yourself, at least I did, you know, that gotta kind of try and dial it in a little bit because I was quite frenetic in terms okay. of like the stuff that I would do. And so sometimes you do have to chill out. Um that can come from the situation as well. Like, so if I'm like, let's say I'm the, the wrestler in the situation with more experience, I feel like I have a lot more control when I feel like I have more control. I'm a lot more calm. If Wrong. I'm in, if I'm in the ring, like, I don't know what I had a match with uh, Joel Redman, who you, who you are familiar with. Most people probably familiar with Oliver Gray and NXT. Um, definitely a man considered to be a benchmark for the industry, at least in this country. Uh, That's quite nerve wracking. Um, And so yeah, you can very much like had to remind yourself like, okay, it's okay. Just listen, calm down. But the thing with like just listening is you you, there's a lot less control there, as I said. Mm. And so you just feel a lot more nervous and you're wrestling with someone who does this all the time. So it's like in the back of your mind, like if I hurt this man, I take away a good chunk of his pay for the rest of the year. That's not a good thing. Oh, and he might eat me.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a big old fella. Uh, you mentioned there about um, a mistake in a match or, or whatever. Uh, and that follows us onto, I guess, another part of Magsy's question here. He uh, says, what's the funniest, the funniest botch you've been part of? so the funniest botch
0: that i've been part of uh it made it onto botchamania okay. um but fortu- fortuitously for me i was the ref so i'm kind of off the hook on that one right. so it was a some sort of like family fun day thing so we're in a field oh, i think by... i
1: know where you're going with this go on <laughs> you, yeah, so <laughs> I like, think so.
0: it's it's pissing rain we're outside there's like four and a half people watching us um, you know, there's the welly wanging like 40 foot away. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, well, in the ring. I, I'm in the ring. I believe it was, I know it was Oliver a sudden who is yeah. a lo- local wrestler? I think he, he either runs or helps run no mercy wrestling now. Um, and I think he was wrestling fellow ha- Harrison Bennett. I think it goes by now is Bino then. Yeah. Um, so oddly so, sudden had Bennett sat in the corner and I think he was going for something like a hardy arrest, where you do like the big up and over up. Like you do the headstand up in the corner to like swing the boots in. But I honestly don't know what he was going for. Cause he jumped, did the big swing and was never seen again. He just <laughs> sailed over the top <laughs> rope and literally on with the, with the view on the camera, he literally just sails over the top and he just gone. And I just had to like put my hands on my head like and look like, where, where's he gone? Um, yeah. But yeah, that one was, uh, it was difficult to, uh, not fall about laughing with that
1: yeah. one i have seen that uh i, I spoke to, uh, i spoke with oliver sudden for uh, the old sjp podcast and he brought it up with me and <laughs> I, I don't know if he actually sent me the link or or told me where to find it but he was very much like yeah it's out right there i think he sent me the link and yeah it is fantastic and you're right the camera angle makes it look even better because he just vanishes <laughs> he's just gone
0: <laughs> it's like it's like he discovered the edge of the world and fell off
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, and he's such a lovely fella as well.
0: He's a very nice guy. Very nice guy. Very, very talented wrestler. Well,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my mum has come to a couple of shows with me, which is fantastic. Her sitting there with my grandkids, well, her grandkids, sorry, my, my daughters and so on, and she thought he was awesome. She loved uh, all yeah, very- of a sudden. Yeah, one of her favorites, like so.
0: I say very much a guy who brings the entertainment factor mm. and like it, it, it's it's sorely missing in a lot of times a lot of places now like he, he has a little bit of the les kellett about him and people like that
1: mm. yeah yeah oh, on that note then you mentioned you're refereeing that match is refereeing something you've done a great deal of uh, and do you enjoy it
0: it's um it's something that i did a, a decent amount of like starting out uh it's something that i think i'd enjoy a lot more now because i wouldn't be bricking it quite so much
1: okay. because it,
0: it's very much like you know stay out the way do 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 your job do the role and say when you're starting out everything at least for me everything was a scary prospect um especially with like the big scary man uh, <laughs> i remember <laughs> once i'm talking about like this is something of a tangent but i was emceeing one time and um rampage brown you know rampage yes. brown presumably a listener's yes. rampage Brown, big boy uh i got because I was very much like, okay, I'm going to do a good job of emceeing. And so what I did was I got everyone's like weight and hometown off the internet, thinking it would be right. And for Rampage, his weight he decided was about thirty pounds too light, and he got right in my fucking face. Right. Okay. <laughs> I could I could smell the old spice. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think I was maybe 21. Uh, it was a good job. I was wearing dark trousers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's another scary dude, isn't
0: he? As a big old dude. Um, but back to what you're saying, like, I it's not something. It's something I do enjoy. Um, it's something I'd quite like to do again, especially now having that little bit more about me, because I might actually go ahead and enforce some rules. Right. And my my gosh, wouldn't wrestling be better if it had some rules?
1: <laughs> oh, we keep coming back to it, don't we? But you're a hundred percent correct. They it's, rest- it's very much needed.
0: Yeah, I mean. I don't know. like. I I've noticed now, like referees don't even like admonish people for throwing punches. No. Like they don't even acknowledge it, and it's like it's it's missed in now. It's lost, and it was it was a good thing, especially like you go back to say like world of sport where like a punch could be something that changed the tide,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And so it just makes a big difference, actually. So I know I'm going on random tangents, but I remember. No, carry on. Um, what people want to hear. It was a it was a SmackDown, uh, two thousand three uh undertaker against Kurt angle for like the wwe title and i re- i specifically recall they did a lot of wrestling to begin with it was like five minutes of solid wrestling solid wrestling solid wrestling and then undertaker just rears back and just pops angle with a big right hand and it's like oh change of pace and it was enough to be the cut off yeah you know as it should be because if you get punched in the mush like clean that you know that's, oh, enough yeah. to take, that's enough to end a fight it's enough to end anything
1: yeah exactly exactly uh and finally from mr mags we have which currently active wrestlers would you pick to be on your survivor series team so you're captain of the team i'm assuming and then you would have what four more because we normally have a team of five don't we
0: okay so i'm going to assume that i want to win this so i will have i'll take bobby lashley wardlow brock lesnar and braun stroman holy crap (laughs) and i'll just and i'll just hide behind them i'll I'll just hide behind them like
1: (laughs) you don't even need to put your gear on you can just stand on the outside i'll be there in my dressing game yeah easiest paycheck going easy easy peasy oh thank you very much Magzi, for those questions they were great uh we have another from danny at scottish juggalo on twitter here he says in your opinion is character work more important than in ring work
0: Hmm. So, I f- feel it very much depends on your audience. Like, if you're on the super indie show, where like if if people already know you, or if you're if you are just a wrestler. But more than anything, it's if you're just that super indie guy or on that super indie show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, it's your work that people want to see. Um, if you're in front of families that maybe you know aren't all f- that familiar with how an Indian deathlock works you probably want to have a bit more of a character. You want something that people can engage with like immediately. Do mm. you want to have someone who understands who you are the moment you walk through the curtain, whether they should like you, whether they should dislike you. And you know, I was going to say, and why, but it doesn't really matter. Like if you can come through that curtain and people go, i like you, or I dislike you, then that's most of the battle. I remember, um, I did a seminar with Carlito. just casually dropping names. here, I, si. yeah, um, <laughs> and, I asked him a question. It was like, how do you get, how do you get noticed while respecting your spot on the card? So like, if you're like opening match or if you're the piss break, you don't want to be doing like hurricanes, You don't want to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, crazy shit, especially if like your main event's going to be two like lumbering dudes. Um, and so what he said was, is this your character? Your character is like how you stand out without, you know, overstepping your mark on the card. You don't right. go in there doing other people's finishes. You don't go out there doing power bombs in like, open in four seconds but then obviously as a guy who styled himself as a king i guess that's somewhat obvious you know i walk through the curtain you fairly immediately know like okay i probably don't like this guy <laughs> <laughs> like you know and that comes to the entire presentation like from my music to the way i carry myself to the way i talk to people again mm-hmm. like it's not rocket science on that one but it's very apparent at least i, li- I like to think it's very apparent that when i come out you know you probably shouldn't like me unless I want you to like me.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Danny also asks, and I love this. What mm. is one wrestling storyline device that has been done too much?
0: So I, I double checked with Danny on what he meant by this. And then, as I said, I said to you, he gave me a list as, as long as your hair, si. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um,
1: But not he, as glorious,
0: but no, nowhere near as glorious. <laughs> so the thing that I, personally feel has been done to death are heel authority figures
1: Mm, yeah
0: it worked it worked with mr mcmahon it worked tremendously well with mr mcmahon the authority was nothing to sneeze at they did it quite well but at this point it's a rehash and you see it on so many like indies and stuff i mean factions as well to be fair like so many bloody factions now and it's not as if they don't work but they've just been done to death Um, coming back to the heel authority figure, like a big problem that I find with a heel authority figure is oftentimes now it's, it's the person who owns the company. Mm -hmm. And so if you're at a smaller show, you want the promotion that you're giving money to, to be the good guys, right? Yeah. Otherwise, why am I putting money in your pocket when I dislike you or you're making me do, (laughs) you know, you're doing things that I actively dislike. I'll stop coming. Mm -hmm. You know? And as, as much as, people in the wrestling bubble think that everyone knows like, and yes, everyone knows like that. It's not real, but at the same time, some folk, are, like a lot of folks still in a position where they suspend disbelief. Right?
1: Yes. I mean, I do um, when I'm at a show because I've got my kids with me. I, 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 yeah. I completely try to.
0: Exactly. And so if like the acknowledged boss of the company is also portraying himself as an absolute fucking prick and like taking all of the people who you like, and like screwing them over, beating them up, having his guy that he likes who everyone else doesn't, you know, have them winning the belts. Like, especially on a smaller scale, like you kind of want to send the fans home happy more often Mm. than not. Yeah. I think, you know, especially with a younger audience. Like I think pro wrestling on a smaller scale should be a lot more like an episode of He-Man and a lot less like, I don't know, an episode of Breaking Bad.
1: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It does make a huge difference. I mean, I've been at shows with my girls, and their favourite has lost the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, especially my youngest; she's the one who's more, you know, fanatical about certain individuals. And that, that in in my mind, looking at it from a, a wrestling card standpoint, the, the their title changing hands, and it's the two big names on the on the show, and so on, should be the main event. But there's mm-hmm. an additional match afterwards where. The good guys win to send the kids home happy after they've done their their booking decision that they've had to make for whatever reason and swap the belt over to to this other individual. So that mm-hmm. to me makes complete sense. And that's if if my little girl had seen, for example, Yestin Reese, who she absolutely bloody adores, as I keep saying, mm-hmm. lose lose the the local heavyweight championship at the end of a show, mm-hmm. and that was the end of the show. I don't know what effect that would have on her going back next time, especially when she was very little.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a difficult balancing act because you do need you do need a want there. You do need to leave the fans wanting something to have not Mm. given them everything, because then why do they come back? At the same time, you don't want to give them everything, because then why do they come back? Yeah. Um, I think I do think like you can have. A heel go over a baby face and it be the end of the show. You can have them take the title. But what I do think you should probably do, and it's why like people shit on Hogan for on the WWE, on like WWF shows when he would be in the middle of the card. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, it's so he could go and have room services. Like, no, it's so they could set up the main event for the next time they're back there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, so he can get screwed over. He can have like the DQ finish. So I think if you're going to if you're going to screw over your babyface champ and like have the heel celebrating have that good guy authority figure come out and set up that rematch because then you've got something for the fans to want the next time so they can come back and see you know hopefully the heel get you know have the comeuppance get the revenge for what they've just seen like they can't let's they can't reverse the decision because the decision's been made and for whatever reason the blind deaf referee's root word is sacrosanct yeah. um <laughs> But we can definitely do something about it, you know. Next time it's going to be in a solid steel cage. Yeah,
1: and again, it's so simple, but that's mm-hmm. what that's what sells tickets. And we keep coming back to the point of it's called the wrestling business, and yeah, wrestling's on the poster, but the most important word is business. You want to make money?
0: Yeah, I mean, not to try and bash everyone, but I honestly feel like too many people who do promote have just watched it on telly. Yeah, and the thing about telly is it's got a hell of a lot more context, you know. So you can have like unhappy endings, so to speak, you know, because you know that people are probably going to come back for the next one. That being said, if you've got a card in April and then you don't have another one until June, and and you've
1: left the fans with a bit of
0: taste in their mouth, there's a good chance they're going to be like, "Well, I didn't enjoy that, so I won't come
1: back." Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a long time to sit on it as well, isn't it? I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Danny's final question here. If you could work with one legend to have their final match, who would you choose?
0: So it's another one I gave a fair bit of thought to. Um, it's probably a little bit late, but Terry Funk. Okay. I love me some Terry Funk. Mm. Terry Funk's brilliant on a personal, like on a personal basis. Cause he was a guy who absolutely could do the wrestling, but also understood that he was a character and, as, as as the years went on, he became, I don't know if he became more of a character, because he was always a character, but like that character stuff came out of him. And he was, I don't believe he was the guy who coined the phrase, but he was very much the guy who I knew said, I can't make people believe that wrestling's real, but I can make people believe that I'm real.
1: Yeah.
0: And I you did. That. Like, there's a lot of people who come across as like, you know, play the character of being a bit nuts. Terry Funk, you believed, was out of his fucking tree.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hundred. I love Terry Tang. absolutely fantastic. And the way his career kind of spanned so many decades and so many not just not just length of time, but almost changes in the business. I mean, this yeah. guy was wrestling in the seventies. He was then wrestling Flair in the eighties. He was then in the WWF in the nineties in the Attitude Era. He mm-hmm. was then in ECW as well at the same similar sort of time. And he was still he, he was in and out of Japan. It's just like unbelievable, unbelievable.
0: Yeah, as you said, a guy whose who's style changed as well mm-hmm. and like it, uh, adapting the character and bringing a lot of people up and a lot of people along. And he was a guy who was still around for when it was the Wild West and you still had to handle yourself a little bit. And that's yeah. always a wonderful thing. Like, I, I do believe, and I'm not an individual that, um, I wouldn't say I'm a, an especially hard bastard, but I do believe that wrestlers should still be able to handle themselves in a fight if it comes to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw a random out here now then, because that question was for who, who? which legend would you have for their final match? Um, mm-hmm. How would you, on the level you work, and who would you wish to choose, book your final match? David Eaton. Yeah.
0: There's no, there's no like, he's the man with whom I'm closest with mm-hmm. in the industry. Uh, he's one of the guys who trained me essentially. Um, yeah, I think that was, that's probably the way I'd go with it. I, it'd be interesting cause we have very differing styles. Um, but yeah, David Eaton, I think.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think mean, that's a great show. And that to me, as someone who's, who's watched all the Heritage City hit stuff and, and yourself and Eaton doing different roles as well. That I think would be a nice sort of conclusion, in almost like a full circle scenario. I think mean, that would work pretty much perfectly for me.
0: Yeah, the heritage city hitman explode.
1: <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> uh, we have here Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin twenty one on Twitter. He says he has a twofold question: Who is the most experienced wrestler you've shared the ring with, and how much did you learn from the match? And then also, who is the least experienced wrestler you shared the ring with? And how much did you learn from that match? Now, the second part of that, I'm going to find very intriguing. But yeah, that's kind of the twofold, the twofold question Dan asks there, Joshua.
0: So I'm honestly not sure in terms of who the most experienced person I've shared the ring with. Uh, I'll, I, as I said, I shared the ring with Scotty Too Hotty not so long ago, but that was a big six-man tag. And so mm-hmm. it's very much high and by here's what we're going to do um one thing i learned from him is when you're over you're fucking over right that man had to do fuck all or nothing like say he got a bigger reaction taking his hat off than you know most of us did or most of <laughs> us could have hoped to do and it comes back you know just when you've got that like that bit of cachet with the fans when they when they trust you to entertain them or that mm-hmm. they like you it's so much easier um another guy who is probably one of the more experienced guys I'd say probably more experienced than Scottie too Hotty, to be honest, but I'm not sure would be James Mason oh, uh, yeah. say one of the last like world of sport stars. I guess you could call him, uh, you know, what, what I learned from James Mason is that you can look like you're absolutely murdering someone without touching him. Like it's amazing. And right. no, no, like his work is in no way, like it's very much like still the Brit pro style, but his work is not in any way see through. But it's like he's not there. It's ama- it's amazing. Um, yeah. I th- And with regards to the least experienced people, I've had a lot of people's first matches. Like, okay. a lot. Because... I
1: suppose, Sorry to interrupt, but I suppose it shows faith that people have in your own ability. If you're yeah. the person who is taking the, these other individuals out for the first time, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's always how I looked at to- it. I mean, also as I said, my role has always been like the bumping chicken shit heel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? My, my role has always been, and I've understood that my role is always to make my opponent look better than me. And so if it's your first match, like uh, there aren't many much people that would be better for that. Right. I don't think, mm. um, in terms of what I learned from that, is it very much, it's time f- for me to see what works in terms of my ideas. Cause it's okay. very much my canvas at that point. Like the other guys, like, so what are we going to do? And then I get to, you know, let my own creative gears turn and it's okay. Well, listen to me and I'll see what works. And then I can see which, which of my ideas work and which don't. And yeah. oftentimes like, you know, I've been quite pleasantly surprised to find out that a few of my ideas do that being said, a few of my ideas don't, some of them need tweaking. I think, again, it's a little bit like being a stand-up comic, right? You've got your act and you need to like work on your act. And so it's like, okay, this bit, needs a li- needs to be ch- sharpened up here this needs to happen a little bit quicker like this this needs to happen there then it needs to be a beat and then the next thing like it needs to like allow the um, audience to digest um and so yeah i think that's it it's it's an opportunity for me to see what plans of mine work if that makes mm.
1: sense oh yeah cool yeah totally i mean i suppose again throwing some at you here uh, totally at random and you please feel that you you know don't don't name names but have you ever worked with someone who in theory should be listening to you whether you've helped train them or this their first match or or their much i i I don't want to say below you in the pecking order in a disrespectful way but that is kind of how certain certain wrestling companies work with regards to experience and so on i would assume have you ever worked with anybody in that scenario and they've not listened or they've argued or they've basically said i don't want to do that
0: um i wouldn't say they've argued we've there's sometimes been like differences of opinion and you also want you you do want to bring someone in like you want them to feel like it's their match too because it's not like just me but it's very much okay so what what's what are the things that you do because we'll put that in this bit here Mm -hmm. um there have been occasions like there have been some people like they've been wrestling or like training literally the length of a sneeze like they've been in (laughs) they've been in like two three weeks but they've they've said oh my family i can get my family and my friends to come so they can get like 25 30 tickets in so as a promoter it's dumb not to use them but then that's where someone like me comes in where I can make them look like they're at least halfway competent. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, they're not. Um, sometimes it can be difficult, not because they're not listening, but obviously when you first start, as I said, your, your anxiety is through the ceiling. So, like, you can get that. Like, you can be shouting at someone and they'll be right in front of them and they're just, they can't hear you because they're so, like, in their own head. Um, in terms of, say, people having, like, case of the big heads and they want to look a star they want to be the hero it's not ever really been a problem with me because i've always been more than happy to do that for people like i've not been overly concerned with how i look like Mm -hmm. i know my i know my role as it were i know that my position is to make people mad at me and then get beaten up um and i also know that especially at this level like i'm not going to get beaten up to the point where people start feeling sorry for me i can still like have my heat as it were or get it back like people will still hate me no matter how much you beat me up you can run me through a razor blade factory factory run me over with a train people will still dislike me
1: (laughs) Uh, and and that's just um... and
0: that's just at home
1: right (laughs) brilliant (laughs) i spoke with uh randy hogan many 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 weeks months ago Uh, i spoke with him several times now for the show we messaged quite a bit and he's a fantastic guy but one story he told Was just so intriguing to me. He was one of Dustin Rhodes's first ever matches. Okay. And Dustin was obviously supposed to go over. He's the star. Uh, And Randy Hogan was the enhancement Mm -hmm. talent. He's there to basically make the guy look good and so on. And he Mm -hmm. said, I think, I don't know if it was his first match or maybe his second match. It was definitely inside the first three matches Dustin Rhodes had had. Yeah. And there was a moment, uh, Randy explains, there was a moment in the corner where he was supposed to be laying in the punches on Randy Hogan. And he Mm -hmm. threw two punches and just froze. He said, Dustin just had this blank stare. Like, behind the eyes, there was nothing there. And he just lost his way. And Randy Hogan said it took him a second or two to twig what was going on. And he had to think on on the fly. And he grabbed him, put him back in the corner, threw a few punches himself, and basically did what he had to do. Yeah. And he he said that this was the only ever, ever interaction he had. Despite working for the NWA and WCW and so on, it's the only direct interaction he had with Dusty Rhodes because as mm. he was walking back to the dressing room afterwards, dusty Rhodes came and met him and thanked him for looking after his boy, which mm. I thought was a lovely, you know, a lovely little tale. So yeah, it was really interesting.
0: Yeah, No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're definitely, especially with people like, it's their first like few matches. Yeah. You're mm. definitely going to freeze up. I mean, especially for a guy like Dustin, because presumably he, uh, you know, he had his first few matches on television. Like the, mm. the pressure is there. It's not just friends and family. Um, but yeah, so there are occasions you do have to like you know grab a hold, slow it down. Okay, can you hear me? Listen, listen. For fuck's sake, listen. Stop, yeah. stop trying to run away. Listen to me. I can't we're <laughs> just go, we're just gonna sit here. We're just gonna fucking sit here until you're ready to listen.
1: <laughs> Seventeen minute headlock.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and again, it sounds like I'm bashing. It's not their fault. Again, you're just you're that wired that you. Yeah, literally people are can't learning. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, you learn. Yeah. that's it. You know.
0: And as I said, that's when when I said, like, you know, the very first one of the best pieces of advice I was given was calm the fuck down. Like, it's absolutely true. Because as soon as you start panicking, everything goes out the fucking window. Mm.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Cam at CamGriff92 on Twitter. He asks, what would be the name of your dream faction and who would be in it? Now, it, when it comes to factions, my mind goes to two automatically the Horseman and the NWO. So I think we're going to maybe spin this a bit to be horseman-esque with yourself, sure. with yourself potentially in the Ric Flair role of the leader of the faction. Nope. So, no, no way. Okay, no, what I, would you do? I,
0: I, sir, will be the manager.
1: Ah, okay, fair enough. So you're the J.J. Dillon of this scenario.
0: Because here's the secret. and so, so here's the secret. I never wanted to be a wrestler, so I I wanted right. to be a manager. Um, and, okay. and, when I, and when I started, I was managing. And my group that I was going to have were going to be called the Pantheon.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And so that's the name that I would give them because, again, the, the pan, you know, gods or people who are revered us, like, we've had a lot of, like, different various groups, but never a Pantheon. And I'm, I'd always been curious why. Um, so when I put together a faction, it's very much looking for, like, where are we going? Right. I don't just want to stick a group of guys in there. It's very much yeah. like, what what are we doing it for? Now normally, you, you mentioned the horseman, I think of evolution. And right, so I yeah. think of I think of, you know, really the goal of evolution was to not only was it to you know, prop up Triple H, but also to build Randy and Batista, mm-hmm. which it did. And so what I'm doing, if I'm putting a group together, is I'm thinking, what is my WrestleMania main event for like Mania forty two? And I'm using WWE as an example because they're just world number one. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you're thinking me. you're thinking years down the line already then
0: yeah absolutely i'm thinking of the destiny it's it's very much like so you think of your big match and you work backwards Mm -hmm. so with that in mind in the pantheon the very first thing we're having we're having the um you want that that what's the word the spine of it the backbone that's it so you want the people who you can have as like the, the bedrock and that bedrock for me is ftr yeah okay you have those boys you've got the best tag team in wrestling, again, two heels that can bump around for the baby faces all day long. Um, and using them as, as, I say, that foundation, yeah, they're a very safe pair of hands, and also they happen to be the best tag team in wrestling. Um, from there, with my centerpiece, I would want Cody Rhodes. Right. Okay. Because Cody Rhodes, before he decided he wanted to be a babyface, was the fucking best heel in wrestling, in my opinion. In terms of he understood how to, you know, make the fans want something and take it away. And so it was like that tippy top guy, like that that centerpiece of your uh, of your faction. I think you have Cody Rhodes. Now, the other side of that, I want my future. So the first person who I have as my future of the industry and my the understudy to Cody Rhodes, very much the Randy Orton of the piece Mm -hmm. is Austin theory. Right. Because he is very, he's another guy, 25. He is ridiculously talented for his age. I say he gets a lot of shit. I'm not entirely sure why he's very good at what he does. And he is a sperm. So, Mm. you know, putting him under that learning tree as, um, you know, that guy. And he's very much the guy who I'm looking to make the Randy Orton. So he'll be my top heel. In five years. Yeah. Now, the other guy I want on this is Mike, my enforcer, my attack dog. He's the guy who does the dirty work for the team. He's the guy who doesn't necessarily win titles. He's the guy who fucks people up so that they can't take Cody's title, so they can't take Austin's title, so they can't take FTR's title. He's very much the heater of the group. He's the guy who, so let's say, and, and I'm getting real into the weeds on this, but let's say, um, Drew McIntyre storms the ring. Um, first people who come up, you've got FTR. Dax gets bopped down. Dash gets bopped down. What happens then is Austin Theory will like keep him tied up long enough that my attack dog, who is Bron Breaker, comes in and he's the one who does the damage.
1: Right, he's the
0: guy who right. flattens him, and then everyone piles in, including Cody, to get his licks in, mm-hmm. uh, and me. I might slap him about it a bit. <laughs> Um, and Breaker is my attack dog, first off, because he's fucking Braun Breaker. Like, have you've seen yeah. the guy, he's, he's exactly like, what's in my mind? Like, whereas everyone else is like suited and booted, he's like got the shirt and maybe like a leather vest. Uh, but like, he's like that little bit off the wall. But he's also very much like, he's going to be the top baby face in WWE, in my opinion, moving forward. So my WrestleMania main event for like, let's say WrestleMania 40, is Austin Theory, Bron Breaker. And this is mm-hmm. how we get there. We put them in this faction we put them under the learning tree of cody and whilst bringing everyone up and elevating them we also have them learning how to do these things and all the while you've got ftr there being the best tag team in the world taking the bumps for the other guys like being the full guys as it were yeah. they're the first they're the first line of defense you know they and that doesn't diminish them because they're still the best tag team in the world um and say you probably smack me about a bit as well so that'd be fun um and then when it all when it all collapses and like cody goes his own way and then austin theory goes his own way and bron breaker becomes this top top star in the business it'll just be me and ftr and i'm okay with that
1: fair enough that <laughs> i think that's great i think that's a great selection really good yeah. brilliant stuff well uh, yeah, it's funny... it's,
0: it's, sorry to interrupt it's very much like you you've got to think of your destination like you wouldn't plan a trip without knowing where you're going
1: hmm. yeah that's fair enough yeah good point uh you mentioned, uh, about Austin Theory and, you know, some people seem to dislike him or whatever. We have a question here from Morty who works on the Murder in Mind podcast with me. He's a brilliant guy. You'll listen to the Murder in Mind podcast and the Morty and Fitch show. Uh, he says here, is there anyone you see a lot of fans say is crap or green or any of this that actually, because of your experience, you believe is a better worker than fans give them credit for?
0: Okay, so first of all, I'm a massive fan of the Murder in Mind podcast. It's bloody brilliant.
1: Oh, thank you I just want much. to say Cheers. that.
0: I think I've said it every time I've had a chance to, but it's bloody great. I can't wait for episode three. I really
1: um, appreciate that. Thank
0: you. You're, you're most welcome. Um, so many people, so many people, like people, and I think it, off, it comes back to the idea of you say something enough times and it becomes a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Orton's bloody brilliant, and people yes. think he's
1: boring. I love Randy Orton.
0: Exactly he's great um I'm drawing a blank now but yeah Randy Orton um Austin Theory like for whatever reason folk don't like him I think maybe folk think he's been pushed too hard too fast but the fact is he's bloody brilliant Roman Reigns people think Roman Reigns sucks he I Roman... can't
1: believe anyone thinks that There no.
0: he's he's in my opinion he's literally one of the best storytellers in wrestling now like mm. he just had that match with Logan Paul and he dragged that boy around like he again he took a guy who's got fuck all or nothing experience he's got a bag full of tricks and that's not a knock on Logan Paul because he's he's not done this at all for any length of time and he got him through like a a main event match you know and to have like built it in such a way and to have helped Logan Paul through that it's just a testament to how fucking good he is Mm -hmm. Um, on top of that uh uh, sean spears sort of gets lost in the shuffle i uh, There's just so many guys who again, they're just sort of underrated and I think it's often to do with their position on the card uh-huh. um And I I think it's a little bit of that nickelback syndrome, right? Where like nickelback and are by no means my favorite band But the idea that they're like the worst thing to have ever happened like just seems to be- <laughs> it just seems to become popular, you know, yeah And I think that a lot of people suffer from that. Like someone has the bright idea that like Randy Orton putting someone in a chin lock for like, you know, five minutes is boring. And yes, it is. But it's supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be like getting you behind the baby face. And so, yes, he is getting heat with you, but that's the point. Um, And so, yeah, you can dislike someone on a personal level, but the idea that they're not very good at their job is fucking ludicrous.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. it's I mean, I have lots of fun on the shows that I do. We, we've, we've you know, had fun digs at people on NXT. Rosen, Four, mm-hmm. Scottish Danny, and I have digs at people on Nitro Nights. But the fact that these guys are on television at all, I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. from a viewpoint of it of just trying to make people laugh. We're talking from a viewpoint of trying to be entertaining on the podcast. Yeah, but I mean, we dig at Van Hammer all the time on Nitro yeah. Nights. Van Hammer can do a million and one things that I cannot. I've yeah. I'm, In reality, I've got no real right to criticise anything Van Hammer does in the ring, but it's done from an entertainment standpoint for the podcast uh, and from a comparison of him and other people he is working with, I guess. How, but, you know, saying Van Hammer is crap or Van Hammer is shit or Van Hammer is this or like, the other is a ludicrous statement because he can do, like I said, a million and one things that I cannot. So,
0: Sure. I mean, anyone who's made it to that level... At least bring something to the table, Mm -hmm. because if you cannot draw promoter money, they will not use you. Yes. like they won't, because there is a million and one people out there who can draw them money. And even if like everyone is someone's favorite wrestler, right? There will be someone who, when they were five years old, fucking loved Van Hammer. Yeah, there will be someone whose favorite wrestler is Brutus Beefcake. (laughs) You know, (laughs) sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry, Danny. Um, but, and I mean, like, no, he, like in, in terms of beefcake, he's a guy who's like gets shit on, but mm-hmm. he was a little, he was a little bit more than just Hogan's drug mule. He wasn't yes. like, you know, it, it certainly opened doors for him, but the idea that he wasn't like in any way good is somewhat unfair. And yes, yeah. I agree. You're doing it for comic effects. So, you know, I'm not digging
1: yeah, it. Yeah. A lot of it with beefcake is more post career and, and the, the ridiculousness that he went to there and signing pictures with his own autograph and then also hulk hogan's autograph and passing it off as hogan's autograph to make extra money and just all that sort of stuff is kind of the reason why Beefcake becomes the sort of uh semi-target i guess on nitro nights but there we go
0: it's the dark side of when wrestling was still like somewhat the wild west Mm. you know you've still got these carny bastards
1: yeah (laughs) exactly uh morty also finished his tweet by saying uh really enjoyed on my long journey today listening to the show the dynamic is great so yeah thank you morty i'm glad you enjoy it and uh, yeah hopefully you can carry on listening and we can carry on entertaining you my friend
0: hi thanks mate we we enjoy the listens just because if nothing else it makes me feel good
1: (laughs) that's it uh ben at witticisms of ben on twitter he says everyone always asks about about the mike rushmore's of wrestling I would like to know who is on yours for the following categories. Uh, oh, this is going to be quite a lot of names. I imagine because Mike Rushmore's tend to be four people in each yeah. uh, situation. So I don't know if you've prepared anything here, but if you don't feel the need to go to all four. and I've
0: somewhat. Yeah, I did give it some thought. The first thing I want to say, and I won't be able to do it for all of them because my, my depth of wrestling knowledge isn't that great. Um, but I think people often misunderstand like, the mount rushmore of anything because the mount mm-hmm. rushmore for me is like it's the pioneers it's like the yeah. first the first four good presidents shall we say and maybe that's me being ignorant sorry any american listeners go and that's not accurate um so for me like i, I remember the list but i'll just i'll i'll let la- i'll name the the four men who i feel should be on the actual mount rushmore of wrestling
1: and then with regards please- to uh with regards to what sort of like the the pioneers, as you say, the influence yeah, they've had the, in the business. The,
0: the, basically, the first, like, four major mega stars of pro wrestling. Okay. Um, and then I'll do my ones, which would be if I were building them today. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the first one uh, would be uh, Ricky Dozan, who's, like, the biggest star Japan ever had. Uh, El Santo, who's the biggest star that Mexico ever had. Um, the Great Gamma, who's the biggest star India ever had. And I think probably Ed Lewis. I was, I was, t- it was a toss-up between Ed Lewis and um, Luthez, but Lewis came first. And again, I figure like you're literally etching faces into stone. You can't change them. So, yeah. so that would be uh, my <laughs> like my actual Mount Rushmore of wrestling, as it were. Although to be fair, I'd probably have like you know promoters on as opposed to wrestlers. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say as I remember the rest of the list. But I will do the whole list there. It was just it was something that it doesn't bug me but it's like when people say the Mount Rushmore, what they tend to mean is like just their four favorite. Mm.
1: And I don't think, I mean, I I don't know if you would have ever heard or been aware of the show Badlands, which was uh, a show Magsy did before he sort of took his hiatus and so on. And Mm -hmm. he did this with uh, poor Tolly, who messages into chain wrestling quite often. Lovely boy, Tolly. And Mm -hmm. the whole ethos is the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. That's the whole purpose of their show. Mm-hmm. and I, I was a guest on the show way back way back when before i did any of my podcasts or whatever this was the first time Magsie and i actually spoke okay. and the, the 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 plan there was yeah you name your four favorites you name the biggest four for you and mm-hmm. the, the each guests um selections i guess tolly would keep a count of and at the by the time the show came to its end they had this over 100 guests, I think it was, selection of the top. And it did work out the likes of Hogan, Flair, really big, iconic characters. I mean, for me, I had I had Ricky in there purely because he's one of my favorites. But at the same yeah. time, I had guys in there who were hugely iconic like Flair. So it, I, I really loved that show. It was a fantastic listen. And then they'd have a, a secondary topic talking about Mount Rushmore tag teams. And it would vary each week. But that was always mm-hmm. a fascinating listen with regards to Ben's question. Yeah. Uh, he sorry, said, sorry, yeah, Ben. I'll rambling <laughs> as well. My friend, don't worry. Uh, the first one he put forward was the male Mike Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, so my,
0: oh, sorry. sorry no, no, worries. I thought you were going to list them all, but yeah, it makes sense to do it this way. Cause otherwise I'll, I'll forget. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the male Mike Rushmore um, for me, Funk, Jarrett, Foley and oh, who else? I had someone else in my head. Flair. Um,
1: okay. Blair. Yeah. Okay. I've got to ask because I know people will be wondering. Mm-hmm. Jarrett, Jarrett. Explain yeah. that. Explain that selection.
0: So I'm a big fan of the Memphis style, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's like my bag. Um, that being said, if you watch Jerry Lawler from like the early 80s is fucking dull because he just punches. <laughs> yeah. He just and it, and it works for that audience because that's what they're after. I feel like Jeff Jarrett has like that um that Memphis mentality, but with a little bit more dynamicism, if that's
1: yeah, a word. As as to what he does at I mean. yeah, there's
0: there's Maybe. more he just does more stuff. <laughs> like he has yeah. more <laughs> he has more moves than just punching, kicking right. a power driver and throwing a fireball. Like as much as I'm a big fan of Lawler, I don't think I could put him on my Mount Rushmore, just because. Again, maybe I'm just that little bit too young, and so mm-hmm. like as much as like and and as much as if you were there at the time and you were just investing who won, it would be perfect. But I feel like it just with with Jarrett and Jarrett played a heel a lot more often, and Memphis made some fucking tremendous heels. Like mm-hmm. my entire bag of tricks comes from Memphis. You know, right, I, okay. the, only, the only thing I've not done is thrown a fireball. Like, I, I own several donut holes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Uh, female.
0: Uh, for me, the females is probably just the four horsewomen. Right, okay. Like, because I don't think female wrestling has ever been better. Like, I really mm-hmm. don't. I don't think it's been viewed in, viewed as highly as it is now. I don't think people are as ta- were ever as talented as they are now.
1: No, no, that's a fair shite. I mean, I would throw the names of Gail Kim and Trish Stratus there as possible options. Sure. Trish Trish was very important in an era that was not as good as it is now. And Gail Kim is kind of, I suppose a lot of people would say Gail Kim is one of the very first real working ladies in the States. Because obviously in Japan, it's a different kettle of fish, but in the States, Gail Kim was, if Gail Kim was around now, she'd be the biggest star in ladies wrestling, I think.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Like, as you said, she was a very talented Mm. individual in a time period where talent, like in terms of wrestling ability, wasn't the be-all end-all. And it kind of, Mm. it's a lot more important now. Like, it's definitely a lot more important now because she was very much around in a time where it was how you look in a bikini. I mean, by that same statement, I think Ivory needs to get a shout out. Molly Holly. Jazz. There there were women who could wrestle. They were just overshadowed or not given enough of a spotlight. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe it's unfair to just be like four horsemen, but I don't think it's not that they wouldn't, you know, be be able to stand out in that environment now, but they just weren't given the opportunity.
1: Yeah. And and like you said, women's wrestling now is probably at an all time high, especially in the in the US. So yeah, the four horsemen are a massive part of that. So that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: yeah uh tag teams
0: tag teams uh the revival or ftr um brain busters, uh midnight express and i was gonna say the anderson's but do they count if i've got the brain busters yeah, uh, yeah that'll, that'll work <laughs> yeah okay the anderson's yeah. let's say let's say only and gene to to mix it up
1: yeah signed okay uh stables or factions
0: uh okay, stables of factions, um evolution. They I just I think during the time when I was growing up they were about, so they mm-hmm. meant a lot to me. Yeah. Uh the horsemen, uh NWO and Bullet Club, I think. Because okay. in, ter- in terms of in turn like again, same as the NWA, early Bullet Club, because like for a period of time they were the biggest thing in wrestling. Mm. There are there aren't many like groups or factions that can say that. Oh, actually before i say that i want to bin someone off for the uh, dangerous alliance because they oh, were my yeah. they're my absolute all-time favorite stable
1: and you have five so- for that one if you want
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a it's a faction it's a faction yeah. there's always too many of them um but yeah but fu- <laughs> Like, I understand what Bill Watts was saying when he's like, they're all in the same, like, you've got all the top heels in the same act, so they kind of need to be broken up. But fuck you, Bill Watts, because that was the fucking best thing in wrestling. It was so good
1: at the
0: time. Rick Rude should have won a world title.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. And not just the silly international world title, or whatever they freaking called it, for a few months.
0: No, the real deal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Managers?
0: Managers. um, Heenan, Cornette, um who's the other one that's obvious that's not heyman Mm
1: -hmm. heyman
0: uh and rick flair in evolution
1: oh okay (laughs) because he
0: was the like i I don't know if that's a technicality but like in terms of how someone should perform as a manager like at ringside Mm
1: -hmm.
0: rick flair at that time period was the absolute best he was mint he was brilliant
1: flair was very good wasn't he uh and finally commentators
0: Commentators, um, JR, um, Joey Styles, uh, Michael Cole. Sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> and um, Vince McMahon, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, he's
0: fine. highly underrated as a commentator. I think people uh, yeah. massively overlook his abilities
1: yeah yeah very important in those early days i think he's literally selling what what the product was when they were expanding so
0: exactly and i mean you know he's um who better to tell the story that he's trying to tell than the person writing it if nothing else Mm. like he knows he knows where he wants things to go
1: yeah well uh, yeah spot on uh we have a message here a question here sorry from the unbooking the tankatory podcast which looks at the Life & Times match-by-match, show-by-show of the legend that is Tank Abbott, at UTT Tank on Twitter. And they ask, how much would you want to be paid to get legitimately punched by Tank (laughs) Abbott? So my my first question
0: is, have they reviewed the episode of Friends that Tank Abbott stars in? Because they should.
1: Knowing Rob and Dan and those (laughs) guys, if it's not been done, then it's definitely on their schedule. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, to answer the question, uh, 300 to the body, 500 to the face.
1: Yeah, as little as that. If you can yeah. name your price, I'd be going crazy high and retire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got, we've got to negotiate. And we're, it's wrestling. We're all just, you know, battering our bodies for breadcrumbs. So, you know, yeah, that's what I, I reckon.
1: Do. We have a question here from Shrek5 at Shrek Is All Right on Twitter. And they ask, Would you rather cop a shoot clothesline from hell from JBL in his prime every day for a year? Unannounced. So you can be any t- you, you can be walking to the shop to get a pint of milk and they'll just run out the co-op and take your head off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or cop a stink face from Rikishi for 10 minutes in front of your family every day for a year?
0: So my answer is gonna be disappointingly pragmatic i think um like with first first i don't know if there was ever such a thing as a shoot clothesline um but uh yeah i'll take a stink face yeah because i'm not gonna ever suffer a concussion based off of that yeah, i'm not ever gonna true. bump poorly off of that and to be honest if it's every day for a year the not know gonna wear off for everyone after a bit like no one's gonna be embarrassed i won't care it's not gonna hurt my <laughs> feelings i'm sure that Hey, it, it gives me an opportunity to get to know Rikishi. And yeah, that's, that's always true. that's always fun. Um, so after the
1: stink face, you could sit down, have a sandwich, yeah. cup of tea, and just change, exchange stories. Whereas ask, with ask the me- clothesline from Hell, I imagine mm-hmm. JBL will just run up to you in a car park, flatten you, and disappear. You know, yeah. so you don't get that. You don't get the social side. <laughs> yeah,
0: you don't get to have that interaction, like you know, that like an in with the fucking, you know, with the bloodline. Ah. I, could, I could be an honorary oose.
1: Ah, oh, there you go. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, and finally, we have a few questions here from our good friend Stevo at Total Stevo on Twitter. Uh he says here, "It's Stevo time," which, of course, it is. Uh, <laughs> what do you like about today's WWE product, and vice versa? What do you hate?
0: Well, to answer your first question, not a fucking lot. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I. Uh the people like the wrestler now, the athleticism and the level of like athleticism is so much beyond anything that we've ever seen before. And it's like utterly amazing what people can do now. Um, I also think that women's wrestling has never been presented in a better light. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's no longer just a lingerie like catalog shoot Like the, you know, the fact is that these women now are, you know, that they're, they're wrestlers that are women, as opposed to women that wrestle, and that I think is a big, uh, you know, a big change in uh, yeah. sentiment. Like, obviously, we've still got fair ways to go, but can you imagine in like even the mid '90s the idea of having like two women, two divas, sigh, as um, the WrestleMania main event? No. Wouldn't happen. No. Um, in terms of what I dislike, there's way too much wrestling for like, you know, folks like you and me and the people who are listening, the folks who know who know too much but also not enough. Mm -hmm. Is that like your average? There's a reason why Raw and SmackDown wasn't on the network, and that reason was because your average wrestling fan wasn't going to watch wrestling behind a paywall. Um, you know, they still want to just be entertained. They still want to just turn on the telly on a Monday. And if it's good, they'll, they'll cheer for the good guy. They'll boo the bad guy. They, they're not all that fussed about what's going on backstage. Like, you know, there's probably a decent chunk of the AEW audience who don't know everything that happened with all Out and just wonder where like CM Punk and the Bucks and Omega have gone. Cause you know, they were the guys they liked yeah you know and there's just a there's a fair bit too much of that and i think it's it's something of a of a change in philosophy as well because there's a lot more emphasis put on having that five-star match and oftentimes it needs to be remembered that if people are watching your match you've already got their money Mm -hmm. which means that you've already like gotten them through the door and often the thing to get people through the door now is disregarded it's not seen as the important thing like to just have to just have a wrestling match often isn't enough for people you need to have that reason behind it and so to have people spouting off about like you know just the real fucking handbags that you've got going on with each other a lot of people don't care right and it's not necessarily going to get people in through the door also like the storytelling when it's there is often like very complicated and it doesn't need to be like, I'm all for like that bit calls back to the thing that happened to them like nine years ago, Mm -hmm. but not everyone's paying attention. So sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily land. And you can still tell a very simple story of like, you know, I dislike you, I dislike you, or you've got something I want. um to. elaborate on that as i've said like to you and everyone else who listen rules there aren't any yeah. rules anymore and if there aren't any rules anymore how are you supposed to generate heat short of stabbing each other like you've got to have some form of you know a, just an established rule set and a consistent rule set like you can't be disqualifying someone for something that would have been fine the week before or you know you have the count outs that take place and it's like one two three four five six seven nine ten and that the count out because then it's like well why did that not work and that did um finally i think it's just a case of people disregard the whole idea of what what if it were real
1: yes this is something that i i mentioned quite a lot on the shows that i'm in yeah
0: yeah what if it were and often like if you were to do something in a situation it's like what if it were real and there needs to be some level of um leeway given in terms of like, it, it does have to work within the rules that we've established. Like, for example, that ropes are especially springy, um, and things of that nature. But yeah, I mean, it's just too too much of to it. It's too much, and that's something else. Sorry, to keep going. There's just too fucking much of it. There's too much wrestling now. Like every like Raw, SmackDown, NXT everything else, like if just you're doing that or conversely, AEW, it's not enough hours in the day. Mm. And so you wind up with such overexposure. Like people complain that they don't see Roman Reigns every week, but if you fucking did, you'd be bored. to fucking tears of him. You'd be those those
1: same people would also be moaning. Well, those same people are probably the same people that say about how the big show or the giant was overexposed early in his career. Yeah. You you can't you can't have it both ways.
0: Yeah. Or the people who would complain that every episode of Raw would start with a triple H promo. It's like, yeah, it would. And that was too much. So you do need like a good example of where people have been able to do it right is with NXT, like that we're watching right now. Like because you have a 45 minute show, and in my opinion, that is a little bit short in an ideal world. You want I think the sweet spots maybe ninety minutes. So a two hour show, you've got Half hour Without of commercials those. in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But it means that you don't see everyone every week. I mean, how we've seen Bray Wyatt once mm-hmm. so far. Um, and maybe that's a little bit, you know, maybe that's not quite enough. Because, uh, But that's the point. I'd rather have, like, as an audience, have people wanting more of something than wanting less. Yeah, of
1: course. You
0: know, I'd, I'd rather have people going, oh, why is he not here? As opposed to, oh, why is he here? Or why is and she then
1: next and then a banner next week, such and such, is on the show. It gives them a yeah. reason to tune in then, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's just it just, it doesn't seem too tricky to me, oh. but then maybe I'm the one that's wrong.
1: Well, who knows, mate? Who knows? Uh, Steve-O continues, when did you start watching WWE? So I suppose how did you get into wrestling in the first place, potentially? So
0: the very first wrestling I saw was at my grand's house. It was an episode of Heat. Um, it was Big Show versus Taz, I remember. And I, and I now retrospectively realise uh, the finish was Taz had shown in the Taz mission and Big Show like kicked his feet up and splatted him. And
1: <laughs> right, <he>, why, <wow>, okay.
0: <laughs> and it was like, oh, fucking yeah. And especially on an episode of Heat.
1: Jeez, that little dude's dead. <laughs> it's probably but, your, your um, mind.
0: <laughs> that man is now a stain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but in terms of like properly watching it, I'd say I started watching say so about 2003 because my dad knew someone from the pub who would then like tape episodes of smackdown and i think it's afterburn so i could like watch it Actually, it's quite a fun story there where uh, one day after the the <laughs> after the end of it would roll like he he got some stuff from the wrestling channel which was fun um but then about halfway through uh, <laughs> about halfway through it cut to like a recording of babe station <laughs> and this and this this guy had to be like easily well into his 70s the dirty old fecker
1: brilliant (laughs) stuff
0: (laughs) also also one one more was um he recorded um brock lesnar kurt angle the iron man match right yes and at some point he got bored and switched the channel to watching david blaine in a box
1: Uh, okay (laughs) which apparently
0: (laughs) was happening at the same time Um, oh man (laughs) So yeah, those were some those were some fun times. But yeah, that's really where I caught the bug. It's also where I think like why I quite like the poor Heyman style of storytelling where you've got like the interweave in stories. Cause it, yeah, everyone credits that to Russo, and it's true, but I think people need to remember that it was Heyman that did it in ECW and then later on yeah. in in like that WWE where everyone like up and down the card, like you had the Undertaker at a time was feuding with a fucking FBI. Right? Mm. You know, but everyone had something to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. the old VHS tape days, man. Such good fun! <laughs> yeah, Such good fun. I remember my uncle used to record the pay per views off off Sky for me, and this is going back to the early nineties uh, when you know we in this country they wouldn't cost any money, and you get them you know on the on the movie channel. I think they were shown sometimes, mm-hmm. and on this one occasion, he'd set the video running and go to bed. And on this one occasion, my mum went round to pick the tape up for me. I was all excited to sit down and watch. I don't know Survivor Series ninety two. It, it was a long, long time ago. and I put yeah. the cassette tape in pressed play and it was basically a four hour cassette tape and it was four hours of a little box saying this channel is currently off air for four hours because Uh, heartbreaker but this is the thing the kids nowadays mate they don't know how good they got it do they
0: no they don't (laughs) I mean that's that's you, you say that that sort of shit happened like that sort of shit used to happen with like promotions like, yeah. where they where to save money they tape over their films so like episodes and some of like the best wrestling that was supposed to have ever fucking happened, like it's just lost to time, never to exist yeah. ever.
1: No, yeah. I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. Don't start me off on episodes that are lost to time. Oh yeah, of promise.
0: course, yeah. Ninety <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: laughs> odd episodes still missing, it's getting. But there we go. And mm-hmm. finally from Steve O, he says, a theme of the show. Uh, our show here, NXT rise and Fall is NXT star goes to main roster and is buried. What do you think that is? Now, obviously we've covered that quite a bit on recent weeks of the show where Jinder is uh, pr- one example. Jinder is one of the top guys at the moment on NXT. Mm-hmm. But when you give your Goodwin report, about like what's been going on on Raw and SmackDown and so on, he's been getting his ass handed to him.
0: Yeah. I, I think again, especially for NXT probably throughout its entire, um, its entire run, like it wasn't a main focus it was never all that big a deal for mcmahon Mm -hmm. and i think oftentimes what what mcmahon would get was you know he'd have triple h's vision i mean we're seeing it now where triple h is like restoring a lot of the people that mcmahon recently repackaged before he had his troubles (laughs)
1: is horny old man troubles
0: is a horny old man troubles he should have just stuck to taping episodes of babe station
1: shouldn't he <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i'd hate to um, see his internet search history and phone bill i'll tell you that oh jesus
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think there's an element of he didn't know that not know what was there but i also think a lot of nxt was catering to that more hardcore fan base mm-hmm and so characters that work for that more sort of like, we'll just enjoy anything that you give us won't necessarily translate to the more casual fan base that you get with raw and SmackDown. So off the top of my head, a guy like Adam Rose, like it really, really, really worked
1: mm-hmm.
0: in like NXT because it was fun. Like they liked it. Or um bull Dempsey. Do you remember him?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Doing bull,
0: awesome. bull, nice, yeah.
1: bull fit. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you know, it was sort of it worked because the NXT audience were in on the joke and they were kinda of happy to see anything. Um, didn't quite work for the wider audience, I think. I think maybe you could say Tyler Breeze was another like victim of that, hmm. where the whole Zoolander thing, like and, and there's no reason it shouldn't work because over the top characters do. But I think when it comes to Tyler Breeze, uh Vincent Mann just looked at him and went, he's a bit small, any.
1: I was gonna say with some of these, I think maybe the the presentation and the character would work but mm-hmm. the individual on the main roster with mcmahon's mindset of this is a big man territory mm. that's where they get they, they kind of fall down i guess
0: yeah yeah i think so i think there's definitely you know parts of that i mean the vaude villains as well i think that's a good example yeah um,
1: yeah great show
0: yeah i mean but then there were other guys who worked really well like enzo and Cass. like they when they went up to the main roster, but then they do have or did have a fairly broad appeal before everyone decided that, you know, Enzo was actually a piece of shit. And then Cass, <laughs> at least for a, bit, a minute, seemed to be a piece of shit. And, th- and this is irrelevant as to like all of his outside the ring stuff. He, like, Enzo just was a fucking dick, apparently.
1: Mm, so, yeah.
0: uh, just had a case of the big heads. Yeah. And uh,
1: apparently, it was really ir- just generally irritating as well. He would just do things that would just wind people up all the time
0: yeah i mean to be honest like as someone who like as much as i'm like the sports entertainment mindset of like you know you don't have to be like says. uh he just sounds like a guy who didn't really want to be in wrestling so much as he wanted to be in showbiz
1: yeah okay i can see you that. know
0: again he's I've, I've heard it said before like he was a guy who lived in new jersey now new jersey has a plethora of wrestling schools and before he went to nxt he had had zero days of pro wrestling training which you know oh, some right. kind, of, kind of tells you something i think mm,
1: yeah you're spot on you're spot on Ah, there we go then. Thank you so, so much to everybody for sending questions in via Twitter and everywhere else for this, I suppose, Ask the King Anything, our first edition. Uh, Joshua, I've had an absolute blast. I've really enjoyed this. Some of your insights and conversations is fantastic. Uh, I know for a fact our listeners are going to enjoy this too. I would love to do another one a few months down the line if you're up for that.
0: Sure, I mean, I'd definitely be game, It's uh, always fun uh, getting to spew my opinions. I mean, again, thank you to anyone who... uh, anyone who wrote in with a question because it would have been a short old podcast otherwise
1: <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> but next week we will be reverting back to our normal nxt black and gold watch along uh, which is the general format of the show so join us for that before we depart though joshua do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can follow you online
0: sure for more of my uh for more of my opinion you can uh, check it out on um at joshua goodwin pw that's on yep. twitter uh, also joshua goodwin on facebook
1: yeah there we go uh you can follow this show on twitter at nxt underscore rise and fall that's at nxt underscore rise and fall uh, but also you need to go and check the network i follow at sjp world media on twitter and facebook there's a group on facebook as well as a page it's best to follow both if you can and from there you'll get links to all the shows and network carriers uh, so that's this one uh Nitro Nights covering WCW show by show, chain wrestling every week where we go live on a Monday and the podcast is out later in the week. Uh, Shows covering television as well, Quantum Leap, Doctor Who, uh, Murder in Mind. People looking at modern day wrestling as well with the guys from the States, from RSH, and also Mr Benny Mack from the UK doing the same thing for us this side of the pond. Loads and loads of fantastic shows, loads and loads of fantastic content, more and more coming all the time. So make sure you are following at SJP World Media there. Chuck us a follow and a big, fat five-star review on all your podcast platforms as well. Joshua, I'm looking forward to next week and getting back to talking a little bit of Full Sail University wrestling. Aye, let's hope they've shined up the belt. Yes, because it's covered in fingerprints, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) All right, a blast, my friend. I'll speak to you next week. Thanks,
0: mate, and me. See you later.
1: And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening you oh,